0: Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now.
1: Well, hello there and welcome, Power Partners. This is our informational playground. It's Star Style. Be the star you are. We're brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. And we're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. And this is the Empowerment Channel. Because I am an empowerment architect and I want to have you live your best life. My name is Cynthia Bryan. Our show today is going to focus on three different topics. We're going to talk about dehydration, we're talking about bullying, which is a major problem these days, and also trigger warnings. The miracle moment for today, brought to you by Be the Star You Are, we will be participating in the upcoming um, Moraga Fair. So visit be BeTheStarYouAre.org. And this is something that Judy Garland said. Always be a first-rate version of yourself instead of a second-rate version of someone else. And I couldn't agree with that any more than what she said. So it gets right down to Be The Star You Are. Just be your whole self. Well, in segment two is when we'll uh, touch on bullying. It's unwanted, aggressive behavior. It's very common among school-age children, and it involves a a real or a perceived uh, power imbalance. But we're going to talk about how bullying starts and hopefully how we can stop it. Trigger warnings are coming up in segment three. They are meant to give advance notice of something that could be offensive or disturbing. But there's evidence that maybe these warnings actually cause more stress than help. So we'll find out about that. So talking about dehydration, the body really responds quickly to dehydration. And we have to learn the important signs of it. Water is essential for life, as we know, and it is needed by our bodies every single day. So, while it is possible for a person to survive weeks or even months without food, it's very difficult to survive, you know, a week or more without water. And that's because the body needs water for nearly every function it performs, including metabolic reactions, and temperature regulations, and digestions, and even just general circulation. Our bodies are composed of more than 60% of water. Now, staying hydrated, unfortunately, is often overlooked by many, and especially, you know, when if you're on vacation or during the summer months, uh, when you're doing like increased activities and the temperatures are getting higher. But that can lead to a faster and greater water loss. And at other times, people may just not drink enough water. And that lack of access to water or even the availability to water is, just, is another cause for dehydration. And although everyone is susceptible to dehydration, there are certain groups that are more prone to get dehydrated, such as babies or very young children older adults, people who work outside, uh, athletes of course, and anybody who has a chronic illness. And um, we find that dehydration is more prevalent in warm climates and also at high altitudes. So many have experienced the effects of mild dehydration, and you might not even know it when you have mild dehydration. If you've ever felt irritable, cranky, or in a bad mood, maybe you are dehydrated. Uh, Maybe uh, if you find yourself unable to concentrate or to focus or, you know, you just feel foggy, you can't really think clearly. Maybe you're tired or feel a little dizzy or maybe even have a mild headache. These are actually all signs that your body may be low on water. And other symptoms include decreased urination, and or a more concentrated dark colored urine, and you could even get heart palpitations. Now, of course, we all know that when we feel thirsty, that is a definite sign that our body needs water. However, usually by the time that that thirst mechanism kicks in, our bodies are already mildly dehydrated. So addressing that fluid need, we have to do it quickly before it progresses to anything more serious, uh, which could even be like heat stroke. Now, often drinking a few glasses of water or other non-caffeinated beverages, maybe eating some fruit, you know, especially citrus fruit, oranges, tangerines, or something that's juicy um, like peaches, Something, a fruit that's naturally high in water, that could quickly remedy the situation and could replenish your water stores. But that isn't always the case. Some people get what are called long-term effects. So people who consistently drink too little water can suffer from what's called chronic long-term dehydration. And when this happens, The body is forced to function with low levels of water on a regular basis. And depending on the severity, drinking more water may not be enough. Sometimes electrolytes are also needed or heaven forbid, you might need medical attention. You might have to go to the hospital. You might even be hospitalized. So if it's left untreated, chronic dehydration can cause serious damage to your health. Now, when it comes to seniors, they are especially prone to dehydration for several reasons. First, there are changes in body composition, and that means there's less water in reserve. Then the thirst mechanism becomes less sensitive as we age, and then that means that the intake of uh, HTO just declines. And if somebody has an underlying disease, or they're taking a certain medication, that may also lead to dehydration. Now, I just want to add an aside here, because I'm a a major gardener and working outside all the time. And I followed in the footsteps of my farmer dad, and my uh, farmer gardener mother. But, you know, sadly, my mom was working out in the orchard in 105 degrees and got very dehydrated. Um, was taken to the emergency room where they did not treat her um, in a reasonable fashion. In fact, they let her just sit there for hours before they gave her any fluids. And my mom actually died of dehydration. And it was, uh, de- you know, it was it was devastating for everyone. Had there been some intervention earlier, it could have been resolved, but there wasn't. And uh, so uh, on a personal level, I really wonder how uh, things could have been different had she been given fluids or had she had bottles of water with her out in the garden. And I I know I've spoken of this before on the show, but, you know, um, I think a lot of people were much more dehydrated. Uh, In the days before we all carried around a water bottle, before it became, um, you know, I don't want to say cool because that's not the right word, more the habit of having our, you know, our refillable water bottles, We, we depended on drinking fountains and you couldn't always find a drinking fountain. And I do remember being at school and being really thirsty and not being allowed to go get a drink at the fountain. And even if you're at the fountain, you couldn't get a big drink. So I really think that the invention of these portable, you know, lightweight water bottles that we can carry with us because the closest thing we used to have was thermoses. And they I don't remember a small thermos, I only remember big ones. So having these water, uh, uh, you know, available is so important. And I know for me, I am constantly, constantly, and especially since it happened to my mom, um, I drinking water or tea, and I always have water bottles with me. And especially something to remember when you're going to fly, because on airplanes, you can dehydrate very quickly. And although people think that the flight attendants are going to be able to serve you water, I have been on... Um, Intercontinental flights, you know, that have been 15, 16 hours, where the system wasn't working, or they had no beverages on on board. So um, the only thing that you had was if you had brought your flask and filled it at the airport. So I always carry an empty um, refillable bottle into, you know, to go through the security, and then afterwards fill it at. Um, one of the water stands, and they're they're usually everywhere. So just make sure to do that because dehydration is really, really serious. Now, um, symptoms of chronic dehydration are similar symptoms to the mild dehydration. And they do include brain fog and headaches, but they can also um, include muscle weakness and decreased kidney function, uh, constipation, joint aches and dry, flaky skin. So if you suspect that you or someone you love may have a chronic dehydration issue, you want to consult a doctor right away. And there's a really quick test that you can do on your own to see if you're dehydrated. And that is to pinch your skin. Just pinch it. You can pinch your skin now as I'm talking with you. And if it snaps back Quickly, then you are fine. When it takes a long time to go back to normal, that means that you are dehydrated because dehydration causes skin to lose its resiliency and its elasticity. And healthy skin just quickly returns to normal, whereas dehydrated, dehydrated skin will not. So make sure to do those tests on you. And when you see a physician, they normally will take a blood test or they'll do a urine sample for analysis. Um, and they'll probably do a skin test that I'm just telling you about right now. And hopefully you, uh, they'll have a remedy for you, but just be aware that it is very, very important for you to, to be hydrated all the time. Um, on a nutrition um, note, I wanted just to give you a really quick and simple recipe for you to make that uh, very nutritious and delicious hummus at home. You know how you can buy hummus in the stores, but if you've read the news in the last few months, for some reason, there's been uh, shelves have been empty of hummus. So I, I think it's a backlog of um of, you know, trying to get, get items to the shelves. So here's something that you can make at home. And it's a great snack, you can put it, you know, on um, a cracker, you can use it as a dip or a spread or a sauce. So you can put it on celery or carrots, and it just takes a couple minutes to do. So it's pretty easy. All you have to do is get a can of chickpeas, like a 15 and a half ounce uh, or a one-pound can, something like that, of chickpeas. You drain it, rinse the chickpeas, but save the liquid. You'd want to get some sesame seed paste, which is called tahini. And it's usually good to have about a quarter cup of that. Lots of garlic. I like two or three cloves of garlic. Uh, about a quarter cup of lemon juice. As you know, I don't really measure I just squeeze and I use fresh lemons. A couple tablespoons of olive oil. Again, I don't measure, I just pour. And um, some ground cumin, you know, a teaspoon, um, whatever you feel. I like, I like to do it to taste, right? So you just put it all in a food processor, or a blender or a bowl. Uh, you add the ingredients um, through the, uh, the cumin and then process it until smooth and then you can just scrape the sides And then add a little bit of that chickpea liquid that was in the can. Or you can add water and then process it more. And then if you want to add salt, uh, some people don't. You can just add salt to taste. It's optional, Uh, always optional. And then add more cumin or lemon juice. You know, again, I like to just taste it all. And then you garnish it with some some paprika, uh, some chopped parsley, maybe a little drizzle of olive oil. And voila, you've got it. Serve it with some vegetables, pita crackers. You can even put it over pasta, or you can put it on salads. You could put it alongside fish, or roasted vegetables or poultry. You're going to really like it. So um, try it, and, and and it's just really, really healthy for you. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about bullying because it has become a crisis. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be The Star You Are. We'll be back in a bit. Please stay with me.
2: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are. 99 gifts and be the star you are for teens buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR 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 Are you a teenager with lots to say but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard. On the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel. And join our global community where teens talk and the world listens, www.btsya.com. You can express yourself.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This of show
1: so by now, most of you know that my newest children's book is called No Barnyard Bullies. And the whole point in writing it is a true story based on animals in my barnyard that I adopted and how they reacted, or the new pig, how it reacted when it came to the barnyard. Um, how the animals didn't stand up. They they, they weren't going to take a bully into the barnyard. And they stood up to this bully and let the bully know that, no, if you want to be in our barnyard, you're going to have to be kind. So I, I have been really looking into a lot of bullying. And it is just so sad because it is very widespread. And it's often asked, you know, why is it that children bully? Now, I want to give out a website if you are having uh, issues with bullying, because I think it's very helpful. It's called stopbullying.gov. So it is a, a government website, um, and it does have a lot of helpful information in it. But children who, and teenagers who feel secure and supported by their family, their school, and their peers are less likely to bully. However, some youth don't have these types of support and every individual is unique, and there are so many factors that can contribute to bullying behavior. So some of these peer factors that contribute to it, um, and we're talking about youth right now, is that youth will bully to attain or maintain social power or to elevate their status in their peer group. They might bully to show their allegiance to or to fit in with that same peer group. Or they might bully to exclude others from their peer group to show who is and who is not part of the group. And they bully to control the behavior of their peers. Now, some youth who bully are probably coming from families where there is bullying, aggression, and violence at home. Or some may have parents and caregivers that are not providing any emotional support or communication, or that bully them. And maybe these kids are, are responding to a very authoritarian or re, in a reactive way. So because they are bullied, they are going to bully others. And then others might just come from families where adults are very lenient. And when there is no, or you know, they might have low parental involvement or no parental involvement. And, of course, there are emotional factors. Um, Youth who bully probably were bullied in the past or they are currently being bullied. They have feelings of insecurity and low self-esteem, so they bully to make themselves feel more powerful. And they might not understand emotions. Um, They may not know how to control their emotions, so they take out their feelings on other people. Or maybe they just don't have the skills for handling social situations in healthy, positive ways. Now, schools really do have an impact. You know, when schools uh, really uh, launch down on bullies and do not allow it, there are less bullies. But some youth who bully might be in schools where conduct problems and bullying are not addressed or not properly addressed. And... Sometimes in school, bullies feel like they're being excluded or not accepted or they're stigmatized, so they decide they have to act out. So every youth involved in bullying as a target, a bystander, or as one who does the bullying can benefit from adult school and community support. And youth who bully may also need support to help them address their behaviors. Parents, school counselors, teachers, mental health professionals, they can all work with you who bully to help them develop healthy school and peer connections and to learn new social and emotional skills. And if you have bullied your peers, if it's something that you um, or one of your kids have done, you want to reach out for some help because bullying is a behavior that can be changed. It's not something you're born with. It is something that that you acquire. Now, there are a lot of different other elements that go into um, bullying. And these are things that we we want to uh, talk about. So, parenting styles are associated with bullying. And studies show that parenting styles that actually resemble bullying, in other words, you know, the parent is a bully and the parent doesn't give compliments and the parents don't, uh, don't acknowledge, that when that, the parent uh, style is bullying and, you know, they do insults or they mock or they lack an empathy for the feelings of the child, These are all associated with increased bullying behavior in children. And children who get bullied by their parents will bully other kids whenever they get the chance to do it. Now, there is a new study, however, though, that shows that sometimes this type of parenting has the opposite effect. And when I say this type, I mean the type of parenting that is a bully uh, parent, uh, an, an insulting, a mocking, a lack of empathy parent. Sometimes what it does is it actually increases the likelihood that the child will become a victim of bullying. Now it's possible that both are true because each child is unique and responds to the dominant parenting style in the family in their own way, but The interesting thing is that the new study shows that in both groups engaging in bullying behavior and being the victim of bullying behavior, they are potential consequences of a parenting style that does include derision, lack of emotional support, lack of empathy for the feelings of the child, and mocking the children. So as parents or caregivers, we have to be very, very careful. Now when adults respond quickly and consistently to bullying behavior, they send the message that it is not acceptable. And all the research backs this up that we can stop bullying if we stop that message. So it's really up to parents, school staff, counselors, any adults in the community can help prevent bullying by talking about it, building a safe school environment, and creating a community-wide bullying prevention. Now, also, there is something that is called cyberbullying, and this has, has really taken hold in this time of social media and so much time on video, and it is incredibly destructive. Um, I had an email recently from uh, another radio personality who was talking about a young 13-year-old girl who took her life after just increased cyberbullying. So cyberbullying is bullying that takes place over any digital device. It could be cell phones, computers, tablets, and it can occur through SMS, text, apps, on social media, in forums. Even in gaming, it's where people can view and participate and share content. And cyberbullying includes sending, posting, or sharing negative, harmful, false, or mean content about someone else. And it can include sharing personal or private information about someone else, causing embarrassment or humiliation. And some cyberbullying crosses the line into... Criminal behavior or definitely unlawful behavior. And the most common places where cyberbullying occurs are social media, like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Snapchat, um, TikTok, text messaging and messaging apps on mobile and tablet devices is another really big area. Instant messaging, direct messaging, and any online chatting over the internet. Um, online forums, chat rooms, message boards, just like Reddit, email, and even online gaming communities. So there are some very special concerns uh, with the prevalence of social media and digital forums and all the comments and the photos and the posts and the content that is shared by individuals. It can be viewed by strangers as well as acquaintances. And then that the content and uh, an individual shares online, both their personal content, as well as any negative, mean, or hurtful content, it can create a kind of permanent public record of their views and activities and behaviors. And this public record is really your reputation. And it can be accessible to employers, to schools, to colleges, to clubs, or or to anybody that is researching an individual now or even in the future. And cyberbullying can harm that online reputation of everybody involved, not just the person being bullied, but those who are doing the bullying or even participating in it. And it has unique concerns. First of all, um, cyberbullying can be very persistent because digital devices offer that ability to immediately and continuously communicate 24 hours a day so it can be difficult for kids experiencing cyberbullying to find relief. It can also be permanent. Most information communicated electronically is permanent and it is public if it's not reported and removed. A negative online reputation included for those who bully can impact college admissions and employment and I have to take a drink of water, so bear with me. Talk about dehydration. If I talk too much, then I'm gonna need that drink of water. And I hope you will too. Um, sometimes it's hard to notice because teachers and parents may not overhear or see the cyberbullying taking place. So it could be hard to recognize. But all states have laws requiring schools to respond to bullying. And as cyberbullying has become more prevalent with the use of technology, many stu- uh, states are now including cyberbullying or even the mention of cyberbullying offenses under these laws. And that means that schools may take action, either as required by law or with the local or school policies that allow them to discipline and to take some action. And some states have uh, provisions to address bullying if it affects school performance. So, there you could go online to find out what the laws and policies are in your state, and to find out what they include as far as cyber bullying goes. And that's very important, um, I think, information to know because cyberbullying is definitely on the rise. It is one of the the most I think, horrific things that's happening with um, with bullying. And so we have to be really, really, uh, really aware of it. Uh, what can kids do now if you're being bullied? Now, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is there's something called the bystanders. And one of the things is... That it's one thing to be the bully. It's another thing to be a victim. But it's also a very bad thing to be a bystander. So if you are witnessing bullying and doing nothing, you are as culpable as the bully. So here are some things that we all have to do. If you're being bullied, you see somebody bullying, don't keep to yourself. The kids, you know you want to keep everybody safe from bullying. And the first thing is that we have to learn to treat everyone with respect and be kind. Nobody needs to be mean to others. And this is what I bring out in my book, No Barnyard Bullies, because Cookie the pig was being mean to tripod the three-legged goat. You have to stop and think before you say or do something that could hurt someone. And if you feel like being mean to someone, find something else to do, play a game, You know, go talk to a friend, read a book, uh, talk to your parents, um, or talk to any adult that you trust, because an adult can help you. You want to keep in mind that every person is different. Nobody is better or worse. We're just all people. We're all humans in training, and we're all different. So we can't judge. So that is another thing. We can't be judgmental. If you think you have bullied someone in the past, apologize. Everybody feels better if you apologize. Now, what do you do if you are being bullied? There are some things you can do. My personal thing is, is you stand up for yourself. You don't take the bullying. Look the child in the eye, or if it's an adult, look them in the eye. Look the bully in the eye and tell them to stop. And in a very calm, clear voice, you can try to laugh it off. And that works best if joking is easy for you, because it could catch the bully off guard. But the best thing is to say, stop. This hurts. You're being mean. You're being a bully. Now, if speaking up seems too hard or it's not safe, then you want to walk away and stay away. Um, And then... If you feel that you're in danger, you don't want to fight back, but you want to find someone who can help you and help stop that bullying on the spot. And there are things that you can do to stay safe for the future. If you're a child, you want to talk to an adult that you trust, You, no matter who you are, you don't want to keep these feelings to yourself. Tell someone that you trust and tell someone who you feel can help you. If you're an adult, you can call the police and they can help you make a a plan to stop the bullying. And then stay away from places where bullying happens. Uh, Again, if it's happening at school, don't hang out near the places that the bullies are. Stay near the teachers or the adults. Because when it comes to kids and bullying, The majority of bullying happens where adults are not around. And then cyberbullying. Cyberbullying online, we can protect ourselves in some ways. So first of all, always think about what it is you post. And you never know what someone is going to forward. So being kind, I can't emphasize that enough, being kind to others online will help to keep you safe. Do not share anything that could hurt or embarrass anyone. So if you always praise people uh, uh, and, um, you know, look for the positive, you'll be in better shape. If somebody forwards you something that is unkind, don't like it. Say, you know, you might want to post, this is unkind. Don't send this around. Also, always keep your passwords safe and a secret from other kids, even your best friends. Even kids that may seem like friends might give your password word away or mention it or something. Just maybe they do it and they don't mean to. But you could tell your parents your password so that they can help you. Think about who sees what you post online because complete strangers can see everything. So you only, if you only want friends or family, then set your privacy settings so that you control what they see. But, you know, um, one thing I learned years ago before the internet was even uh, out, and it was just about talking and speaking, and it was, if think like a parrot. If you, you know how a parrot just mimics what is said? Well... If you don't want to be a parrot, and you don't want the whole community, and that could be an online community, it could be your school community, to know what you said or think or whatever it is, then don't write it down and don't say it. Keep, if you're a kid, keep your parents in the loop. Tell them what you're doing online, who you're doing it with. Let them friend or follow you. Listen to what they have to say about what is and isn't okay to do because they love you. They care about you. They're the first, your first line of defense. And then if you get any messages or you see things online that make you scared or sad, this is cyberbullying, and you need to tell someone. And again, that goes for adults as well. And then stand up for others. When you see bullying, there are safe things you can do to make it stop. Again, as a kid, you want to talk to a parent, teacher, or an adult you trust um, because adults can usually help things stop for kids. But be kind to the kid being bullied. Show them that you care by trying to include them in activities. Sit with them at lunch or on the bus. Talk to them at school. Invite them to do something. Just hanging out with them will help them know that they aren't alone. But not saying anything can make it worse for everyone. The kid who is bullying will think it's okay to keep treating people that way. So get involved. Be a leader to prevent bullying in your community and find out about where and when bullying is happening at your school and think about how you could help share your ideas. There's a good chance that the adults already know what's happening and you and your friends could go and talk with counselors or coaches or teachers and, um, and help it stop. So maybe uh, a thing that it would be helpful would be to write a, a blog or a letter or an article and put it in your school paper or something and talk about bullying and how we have to stop it. Because the important thing, again, is to be kind and to be inclusive. Overall, 34% of of children studied in recent research engaged in bullying, and 73% reported being the victim of some kind of bullying. And almost all of the bullies, 97% in this research study, said they were the victims of bullying. So we really have to do something. So you could pick up a copy of my book, No Barnyard Bullies, at CynthiaBryan.com, click on the Star Style Store, and this will be a good introduction to help um, stop bullying. Because uh, early intervention is what is important. It doesn't bullying doesn't suddenly appear and mysteriously disappear. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back with a business break.
2: Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan.
1: We all have hectic lives of go, 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 and we need to remind ourselves to take care of ourselves. Self-care is not only beneficial to you, but to those who depend on you. It improves moods, brain performance, and provides renewed energy to continued tasks. Give yourself permission to pamper yourself and indulge that nourishing of you. It could be meditating, running, getting a massage, going on a vacation, even just finding 20 minutes a day that's just for you. You could sit in a corner and read, take a hot bath, you know, turn on some music and dance, exercise. Or, you know, have the, a nice glass of wine or a hot cup of tea. Whatever it is, do what you feel. We regenerate, regenerate you and feed your body, mind, and soul. Breathe in, recharge yourself, and you'll be happier, healthier, and probably wiser. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business Bite from Star Style. Visit cynthiabryan.com. That's cynthiabryan.com.
0: Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be the Star You Are charity. Be the star you .org. Dare to care. You are the star.
2: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
0: It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business
1: well, you have probably um, been watching the news, or maybe you've been you've uh, turned on a movie or a show, and you see this warning at the beginning. It might say, you know, there is. Um, you know, this is a warning, there could be sex or violence, or, um, or it was, these images could be disturbing. These are called trigger warnings. And it's being debated, especially in uh, universities and schools, are they helping or hurting? So trigger warnings are also known as content warnings. So they are statements that are meant to prepare the audience, especially people who have suffered traumas, for material on subjects that they may find disturbing, you know, such as sexual assault, child abuse, uh, racism, um, the war, any of those things. Now, college students began demanding these warnings, oh, about a decade ago. And now they are just widespread and they're used for an expanding array of subjects that could make students uncomfortable. There was an NPR, which I love NPR, in 2016. It did a poll of 800 college teachers that found that half had used trigger warnings. Then in 2020, the survey of over 800 academics by the National Coalition Against Censorship 12% reported receiving student complaints if trigger warnings were absent. So perhaps, you know, inevitably, trigger warnings have become a flashpoint in the culture wars. Now, advocates for the trigger warnings say that they make classrooms more inclusive by accommodating the varied needs of a diverse student body. So critics are arguing that colleges should be in the business of expanding minds, not coddling them. That's interesting. Some worry that warnings encourage students to dodge complicated ideas when they should be wrestling with them, or that professors are going to feel pressure not to address thorny subjects at all. Now, lost in these arguments is a more fundamental question do trigger warnings even work? I mean, that is, do they actually help people emotionally prepare for any challenging material? So there was a team that, uh, in Australia, at uh, Flinders University, that uh, analyzed 12 recent research papers on trigger warnings. And they made a report, which hasn't been published yet, but they did conclude that they are neither as helpful as some hope, nor as harmful as others fear. And the bottom line is, in fact, they don't seem to do anything. So based on that, I want you to think about it. When you get those trigger warnings, especially now when we turn on the news, um, because I watch NPR uh, and uh, PBS a lot, Um, that seems to be the only news station I will watch, It it, that comes up often when they're going to discuss something. So, does that really prepare you? So, trigger warnings didn't meaningfully reduce the amount of distress students felt in the face of potentially disturbing content, such as graphic depictions of rape or violence, nor did they nudge students to avoid this material entirely. And this also held true with and without people um, that had a history of trauma. Now, warnings did, however, increase the amount of anxiety that students felt before experiencing the actual material in question. So, you know, there's a folk wisdom that warnings are always good, you know, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. But a lot of the time in experimental psychology, We're finding that the things that seem intuitively true aren't true at all. And the problem is, is that there's a meaningful difference between alerting someone to distressing material and then helping them reckon with it. So um, what some of the people who did the study say that if you haven't been in therapy and learned tools to handle how to deal with the bad news, it's still just gonna make you feel bad. So there's even some evidence that trigger warnings may harm the very population that they are intended to help. A Harvard study involved 451 trauma survivors, and this was published in the journal The Clinical Psychological Science in 2020. And it found that trigger warnings made people feel more anxious about the material in question by encouraging them to see their trauma as more central to their life narrative. So there's been this big expansion in our culture of what we view as harm, and that affects how we respond to things, and it affects our anxiety levels. There's data showing that even as rates of violence in the US have dropped considerably in recent decades, the rate of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, that's remained constant. And This might be because our definition of trauma has undergone something called the concept creep, whereby previously narrow concepts of abuse and mental illness have expanded to include everything that feels bad, from bullying in the schoolyard to marital infidelity. So trigger warnings are a symptom of this problem. They're not the cause of it, but they are a symptom and um, more and more people seem to be identifying as trauma victims. So they are asking for accommodations in classrooms and elsewhere, despite the evidence that these efforts often are unhelpful, and they often are just reinforcing their sense of victimhood. So by and large, you know. companies and people who are using trigger warnings, they they are well intended. But the intention to make people feel more comfortable doesn't always play out in the way that we expect it to. And even if trigger warnings don't reduce anxiety, they still might be a way for professors to signal that they are mindful of a student's needs. So maybe that is a way to do it. And how do we know if trigger warnings do work? Well, um, trigger warnings are in the end a basic courtesy. They're a form of just a human consideration. So maybe it is a kindness. And some of the doctors working on these studies note that these more cultural perceptions of trigger warnings haven't yet been explore, you know, explored um, by experimental psychologists yet. So there is evidence that students are more inclined to demand trigger warnings in place where they feel unwelcome or unsafe. Another study, a 2020 study published in College Student Journal, found that students who asked for warnings tended to be those who felt institutional betrayal owing to a college's perceived failure in effectively addressing problems of sexual assault on campus or other issues. So perhaps we could see trigger warnings as giving students or individuals the choice to decide for themselves what they can handle. And uh, when a social media influencer or a professor or a television show alerts the person with a trigger warning, many people feel respected. They feel seen. They feel as someone is telling them, I know what you've been through, and it's okay right now if you don't want to go through it again, so you could leave the room, shut your ears, turn it off, whatever. But demands for trigger warnings can grate on the professors who have devoted their lives to teaching because some of them just aren't sure why they are needed, especially when they are reading texts of speeches. Maybe from Martin Luther King's 1963 letter from a Birmingham jail where he actually uses the N word. So, some professors may not have the, uh, the frame, you know, we may not be able to frame it in a way that is going to make it uh, necessary for them. So, whatever you decide, whether it's discomfort or comfort, be aware that trigger warnings are out there now. And if you like them, make yourself heard. And if you don't, you know, uh, make yourself heard as well. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for staying tuned to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We are live every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Network. You can also find us on all the platforms um, that you like in the archives. You can change your life and make your dreams come true For more information about Be The Star You Are, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And information about myself or Star Style Productions, visit CynthiaBryan.com. And you can buy my books at Star Style Store. Uh, And that's easy, StarStyleStore.com. My aim is to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate you, cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And until we celebrate again next week, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self. Make a difference, dream big, and make it a great week. And be back with me next week. Thanks for joining Star Style.